Welcome to Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck and co-host Reverends Bill Holton and Cher Holton. Discover practical applications to bring 21st century metaphysics to work in your life. Here's your host, Paul Hasselbeck. Welcome to another edition of Metaphysical Romp 2. This is the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. And it's another beautiful day in my consciousness. And why wouldn't it be? I'm here with my friends. Hi, friends. Hello, this is Reverend Dr. Cher Holton, and it is another beautiful day in my consciousness. And hello, this is the Reverend Dr. Bill Holton, and it's very definitely another beautiful, beautiful day in my consciousness as well, as always. And we want you folks to know that Sarah and I are the enthusiastic co-founders of an online Unity spiritual ministry, and our name is the Unity Center for UniversalProsperity.com, and we spell universal, Y-O, universal, because it's about your spiritual growth and human happiness. Yes, and we obviously provide a very easy way for you to find us because we have tons of things we want to share with you. So just come to ucfyp.com. That's you, the letters, ucfyp.com, and we will welcome you. And yes, it is. And of course, I have my (laughs) website, paulhasselbeck.com, where you can find my calendar and my weekly blog called The Absolute Word. And I noticed you added happy. (laughs) (laughs) To your <laughs> yes, happiness is important. Yes. Yeah, well, since my mission is to help people get happier, here I am. Okay, so of course, Metaphysical Romp 2 is about spirituality, pseudo-spirituality, science and pseudoscience. Truth be known, we really focus on science and spirituality. And we used to say the intersection between the two, but we I don't even see a separation between them now. Okay, so we are on part two of of exploring an article entitled Neuroplasticity, How to Use Your Brain's Malleability to Improve Your Well-Being. And it was written by Megan Call, and she is a licensed psychologist and is the director of the Resiliency Center located at the University of Utah Health. I have a hard time with that one because it's such a strange name. University of Utah Health. That is strange, yes. Seems like it needs a a comma there or a hyphen or something. But I digress. We're talking about neuroplasticity today. And you can go to our previous program to hear our first episode on this. But neuroplasticity change occurs at the chemical, structural, and functional levels of the brain. These changes work in concert with one another. And so Cher, take it away from there. All right. And I do want to let our folks know that there is a link to the whole article on our website, metaphysicalromp2.com, where you can just go look at that episode or this episode, either one, and you'll be able to get the link to the article yourself. We're going to now look at what the article continues to say. The more the brain is exercised, the stronger and more connected it becomes. The connections occur across the brain's gray and white matter. And Bill alluded to this in our last show. He gave us a little teaser to the yes, gray yes, and white matter. Yes. yes, he did. And the thing is, is why would we be shocked? <laughs> the brain needs exercise. The rest of the body does, right? 
Right. And sometimes we forget that we need to have that activity going on there, too. The gray matter is neural tissue that includes regions of the brain involved in muscle control, sensory perception, such as hearing or seeing, memory, emotions, speech, decision making and self-control. So the gray matter is very important. And the white matter is what connects the gray matter regions together. And I bet you Bill has more on this. Yeah, I want to say just a little bit more about that. The gray matter is actually pinkish gray matter. Uh, And and, uh, it's home to neurocell bodies and dendrites, as well as all nerve synapses. And this brain tissue is abundant in the cerebellum, the cerebrum, and the brainstem. That's how far down it goes. And it has actually a butterfly-shaped portion of the central spinal cord. What's interesting about gray matter is that throughout the central nervous system, it allows and enables us individuals to control all body movements, memory, and emotions. So that gray matter is pretty important. It's a busy place. I'm speechless. That is really good info, Bill. Yeah. Thank you. It just makes us realize how much is going on. Yeah, right. Brain, what, what it's controlling in our whole body. And I want to add a little bit more to what the author here said about the white matter. It's the tissue, and it's really intermixed with gray matter. Both of them are at the same level of surface in the brain. But the white matter sends messages between, get this, our left and brain hemispheres, and it's very central to the corpus callosum, which helps engineer that communication back and forth between the hemispheres. And that's what the white matter does. Wow. Okay. The author goes on and says, well, that's the science. Well, that's the science (laughs) and more. And then she goes on to explain how it plays out in the world of things, from learning a new language to navigating a new city. Hmm. So she says, learning another language increases density in the gray matter and strengthens white matter. So essentially what she's saying here, these are ways to make this stronger. By doing this, we're strengthening our abilities to to do a lot of other things because we're strengthening the gray and white matter. That would be true. And that fourth bullet is, I think, the most important one, especially in the context of this program. Thought alone is associated with neuroplastic gains. Mm. And so what jumped out at me there, this is a very contemporary article, and it's not talking about feelings. Oh, and, wow. And, and we, we often connect those two. So here's here's what she says. Some aging piano performers prepare for concerts primarily through visualization instead of physical practice. Both approaches show the same motor mapping in a functional MRI scan. Now that is really cool. And of course, we've been hearing about how rehearsing stuff using our power of imagination or visualization can be equal to practice, but that it lights up the same areas in the brain is really an interesting detail. And and the brain doesn't, Know the difference, as as you're saying, Paul, and uh, the same thing for golfers and basketball players, people who speak and want a good performance actually see themselves delivering 
the speech, that kind of thing, it works. Mm-hmm. And it works. I have a question to Go. throw out among us here at the kitchen table. So I wonder if, because we know visualization is powerful and you do still have to practice the skill to a point. So I'm wondering if as you improve your skill, that visualization becomes more useful, more powerful. You don't need as much of the practicing physically once you have the skill, but as you're developing it, it takes that combination. The visualization is still important, but your body needs to learn what that muscle memory is. Exactly. I would agree with that. And when we're talking about visualization and if we're, and the example she's talking about are aging piano performers. Well, when you're playing music, your my feeling nature is engaged. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So anyone. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to just throw it in there and, and sink or swim, right? <laughs> I agree because there's a difference and you feel it from somebody who is a technical pianist. They can play all the notes perfectly. And then those pianists that play from their soul. Yeah. You feel the difference. And we've had both when we've had churches who played our piano. We've had both of those. And man, what a difference. What a a huge difference. So then she goes on to say that regular mindfulness practice improves attention, memory, and emotional regulation, increasing gray matter in parts of the brain that are responsible for these functions. So mindfulness practice, which is a little bit distinct from mindfulness meditation, is an important part of of this whole process of, of our attention, our memory, our emotional regulation. And by practicing it, what does it increase? Gray matter. Very important. Very now we know how important that gray matter is. That's right. Well, wow. <laughs> that's how important that pinkish gray matter. Is. <laughs> yes, we're getting. <laughs> okay, so now we want to get down to the nitty gritty. How do we get started doing this? I mean, so it's always happening, but how can we be intentional about this? And she says it requires neuroplastic change requires five components. And Cher, why don't you launch it? Okay, so looking at those five components, the first one is challenge and novelty. How that works is the skill should be, whatever skill you're working on, should be new to you and not too easy to learn. Novelty and challenge are essential components for cognitive change. So she says, try it now. Think of something you've always wanted to try. And she gave gives a couple of examples, like learning a new language, a new hobby, like mountain climbing. No, I'll say no to that. Okay. I would also <laughs> play the guitar. And I used to do that, but with these fingernails now, that's out. <laughs> Not going to sacrifice those. Yeah. But something that you've always wanted to learn that would be new to you, but also capable. I think that's important. Like, you know, that you really would be excited about. Yeah. That would stretch you a little bit. That's what they're talking about here. Yeah. And this next detail about challenge and novelty is really important. That must have some meaning, relevance, or importance to you. Neuroplastic change is associated with the feeling of being rewarded while engaging in a new task. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we got to really, really engage in it. 
So I think mm-hmm. that is actually part of the second component, which is intention. You're right. I misread it. <laughs> so share, take it away and do it right. You're absolutely right. It does flow right into it. it but challenge and novelty was the first component that she mentioned. And so that it needs to be new to you and not easy to learn. But intention is the second one, meaning that there's got to be a reason. I think it needs to be important to you. Important. That, but as Paul was saying, that if you don't care, and that's why learning a new language a lot of times doesn't work for people because they don't have a reason. Yeah. Like if you're going to take a trip to Paris, you have a reason to want to learn French. And so that's exciting because you have that intention. If you're just saying, oh, I ought to be able to, to speak it, mm-hmm. you don't have that same in desire. And I think what this is reminding us is not to suffer from intention deficit disorder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And and what she mentions, of course, is what we're saying, make sure it matters to you personally and then write it down. I don't know why that's important other than you have it in front of you. As that, a that's, a, that's how I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about the third one? Yeah, the third one is specific attention. So we have challenge and novelty, we have intention, and now we have attention, specific attention, that the skills we practice tend to improve, meaning we get to feel and see the growth of our ability. And I think that's kind of what we were talking about a few minutes ago. As we learn something, we get better at it. And we get muscle memory built in. She says, focusing on exact tasks increase the likelihood of change. So she recommends have a plan, schedule time in your calendar to focus on the task and consider setting a personal goal and incentive. Yeah, I kind of like that. And you know how much I love specificity. Yes. But I don't. So it it says focusing on exact tasks. I don't know what a vague task is, though. Do you (laughs) No, Unless you're real general, like I want to be better at order. Order. Yeah. Something like that, I guess. Good example. Okay, the fourth one is repetition and intensity. Cher, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say I have an example of something really weird and very practical that I'm seeing myself in this is flossing. (laughs) I had never flossed. I just could. I do it like once a year, maybe right before I went to the dentist. I'd like a quarter and times to (laughs) make up for it or something. But one time I went to the dentist and I made a decision. I just said, I'm tired of this being so painful. Every time I come to get my teeth cleaned, I am going to floss. And I made a, I set a, a, I started with a seven day challenge for myself. And then I turned it into a 30 day challenge. And I have now flossed every day for over a year. Good for you. And only once a day. I haven't gotten beyond that, but at least I'm doing that. And I'm seeing the intention and the specific attention because I yeah. set that goal and I mark, you know, I have a little calendar. I give myself a star. It's a little personal thing. Yeah. I didn't want to not have to not be able to put a star in the box. You know? yeah. So yeah. I don't know what the other two, as, as I look at the other two, I know they're going to fit also. That just popped in my head and I thought I'd share it. Absolutely. That is a great example. Before we leave the flossing example, I just want to say that I invite our listeners to 
be willing to floss the dogma out of your spiritual practice. <laughs> that's another one. And you're going to have to come up with a specific way of doing it, right? <laughs> that's right. And the thing is, is what I like about this example is, is it is a physical example. And I bet you have gotten more proficient at flossing than the first than than, than when you were doing it once a year. Right. Yes. Yes. And even when I started this challenge, it seemed like such a chore. And yep. now it's just part of the routine. Mm -hmm. But I do. I, I could do it faster yep. and better. So you're absolutely right. And you have to have the right equipment. Yeah. Because some floss is not good and other floss is wonderful. So <laughs> learn and grow. <laughs> okay. So what's number four? Number four is repetition and intensity. Which again is important. One and done is not enough. Yeah, which I'm using that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> One and done once a year does not do it. Shorter bouts of intense repetition are usually needed to create new connections when you're creating new connections. So she recommends check in with yourself weekly. Have you been following? And that goes back to I set for myself seven day challenges. Yeah. That really does help. It's if you're competitive at all, you're competitive with yourself. Have you been following your plan? If not, adjust and keep going. Fantastic. And I, what I like is shorter bouts of intense repetition. And when I visit my friends in Florida, she's a dog trainer. She doesn't train the dog for even a half an hour straight. It's maybe five or 10 minutes and the dog gets a break and comes back. And it looks like a similar process is happening with us. Absolutely. That's really good. And then, of course, the fifth one is time. Be patient with yourself. And that's so important. Oh, so important. And yeah. don't beat yourself up either. Right. Yeah, this should not be this is not designed to make you feel guilty. It's designed to help you feel better and be more effective. So neuroplastic change takes time in order for structural and functional change to occur. And plan for lapses. I love that. Say that one more time, Paul. Plan for lapses. It's normal to, I mean, if 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 Cher was doing and she missed two or three days and then she notices and then she's back on track again. Yeah. It's so, really, really good. That goes back to the guilt-free. Yeah. So, so, time. <laughs> and it's time to switch to the absolute word, of course. And the absolute word is based on Sunday messages appearing in Daily Word, a copyrighted Unity publication, and has been used with permission. And this comes from Sunday, January 8th, 2023. And the word is freedom. And as I was writing this, I was thinking maybe I should just change it to free. And you're, you're going to hear why. So the affirmation is, I am divine. I am free to be. At times, I may feel hemmed in by circumstances, limited by lack of opportunity, or faced with an unwelcome situation with seemingly no viable choice. When that happens, I feel anything but free. Rather than despair, I find freedom in my limitless ability to express from the awareness of my divinity. Shifting my perspective from the limits of the world to the expanse and perfection of my divinity, I am at peace and free. I relax and remember that no earthly trouble is greater or more enduring than my fundamental divinity. My divinity consists of unchanging principles and laws. I claim my divine principle of power. I feel strong beyond mere human strength. I release limiting beliefs and reclaim any power or importance I had previously attributed to my problems or even others. 
I feel free and unlimited. Again, the affirmation is I am divine. I am free to be. I am free to be in 2023. And so it is. And this is the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. Grateful for your listening. And so it is. Goodbye. This is Reverend Dr. Cher saying bye and thank you, thank you. And this is the Reverend Doc Bill, and the three of us invite you to neuroplastize your brain this year by affirming, I am free to be. 